1: Land tax banned in pre-modern? The rent is too damn high. i up with the i up with the
2: Hey everyone, uh welcome into Eternal Journals. I'm your host, Nate Golia. Oh my god, it's uh it's it's me, I'm back again. But not permanently. Zach is <laughs> unavailable for today, so I'm jumping in along with Phil. Phil I Never have. Yeah, there's uh, two bills. Never two have two too many bills.
1: Yeah, too many bills.
2: Along with bills is what I should have said. It would have been funny. Okay,
1: t- t- today. So the pre-modern format no longer has land tax, but the Eternal Dirtles podcast has plenty of fill. Plenty of
2: fills. We have fill tax. We have searched our library and found two basic bills. That was not. <laughs> that sounded meaner <laughs> than
1: I meant yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I accept on my end at least.
2: Um, but. So for the listeners, edification, I suppose, uh, last week I was on vacation in Maine. So if you're watching, you can see my new Maine hat. Um, and Phil B. had texted me and Zach and said, hey, I'm going to get into pre-modern. I'm going to get these four Mox Diamonds, four land taxes. And I was thinking, though, because I was on the beach and I couldn't really, like, use my phone. I than mean, to just look at it. Um, I was thinking... Good for him, because those will be the last eight cards that I own. They are my favorite cards. I love looking at them. I have my four Stronghold mox diamonds, my four legends, land taxes. I just love putting them in front of me and looking at them. And then the next day, uh, in pre-modern land taxes, bad. (laughs) (laughs) And Phil said, "I guess I'm not going to do that." So you saved yourself
1: twenty-two hundred dollars. The 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 timing was impeccable because we so we had the the so the last time Phil Wynn was on and gave us the rundown on pre-modern. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I know of this format, and then Phil was talking about the format, and then we just started, like, coming up with, like, brews on the episode, and I was like, okay, this sounds sweet, I'm ready to hop in, and then I, so I, like, started watching a bunch of coverage, So like, Cloud go Ranger had a bunch of coverage, there was the Lobster Con that everybody in the New York community was, like, super excited to go to, I was like, man, I am missing out, I gotta get into this format, so I start watching some videos. I I see Mark uh, Eric Vogt just crushing over in Europe and then Sam Black is crushing here and they're playing playing gush and they're playing all these islands. And I'm like, this is exact. This is this is top counterbalance turn one, turn two, exactly the way I want to do it. And so I'm like, I'm getting into the format. I'm just investing. I'm here for the long haul. And then a day and a half later, they're like, actually gone forever. So uh, with us is, is Phil Nguyen. He's gonna talk to us about the ban. Phil, why is the rent so damn high? Why did they
0: ban land tax? Well, thank you again for, for having me on, and it really is impeccable timing because I think you got so many pings in the 90s MCG Discord the day that Lantex got banned. Everyone was like, please stop. stop. Don't sell out of your 401k and your retirement funds to, to buy these Mox Diamonds.
1: Oh, yeah. For, for uh, context, I reached into the 90s MCG Discord. I was like, hey, if anybody's looking to move some Mox Diamonds, I am in. I'm ready to push. <laughs> Yeah, and then it gets banned, and then the following day, everybody's like, wait, 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 <laughs> just like the Tim Robinson meme, like, I'm yeah. trying to do something.
0: <laughs> Honestly, though, I feel like that shows that we're a good community, and it's not like a whole bunch of people being like, you know, just pinging you out of the blue, being like, hey, I actually have all these land taxes now, if you want <laughs> to buy them, you know, just take advantage of the situation. But, yeah, land tax is gone. It is no longer here. Um, It's been like kind of a topic of conversation in in Premodern for a while now and it's has gotten louder in some areas but I think what's actually made it pretty interesting is that there was no real single reason why it was banned. Um, If you haven't already, uh, check out the Premodern website. Um, For those who don't know, Premodern is pretty much founded and sort of run by one guy in Sweden, Martin Berlin and uh, his close court of friends and trusted advisors. Um, and so he wrote a ban announcement and it's, I think, pretty good. Um, it kind of goes over like the reasons why it was banned, the context for like the history, the different decks it was in, um, the different options of like cards that he could have uh, banned instead and, and ultimately arrives at the conclusion. Um, and like I was saying, the, the reason why it was not such a straightforward discussion or ban Um, is that there's like a lot of tiny reasons that added up to warranting a ban. Like a lot of times cards are banned because they're just too good, right? That's like honestly like the most common reason. But in this case, um, aside from like a few select people like uh, Mark Eric that you you talked about earlier, who um, he shared on Twitter his his win rate with his his tax rack decks and it's just insane. He's like 90% win rate. Um, to be fair with uh,
1: Mark, he is busted everywhere. That's his
2: That's win true. rate
0: in Legacy as well. Like that I, dude just I, does not lose. Something that I rate. definitely
2: want to yes, come
0: back to that point, but yes, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we can we can come back to that. But in in general, like the the win rates for for Parfait and Tax Frag decks are not obscene. Like you mentioned, like LobsterCon, aka the North American Pre modern Championships, was in June. Um, there was almost two hundred players there i think it was like 186 or something like that um i was there as well i was not on tax rack but um yeah i mean there was uh one tax rack deck uh a parfait deck that made top eight it was by lanny huang uh from the new york area um and so there's only one there so it's not like it had a dominating performance um you know uh sean sullivan uh actually put together the win rates for the different deck archetypes. Um, One of the organizers, Jared Dusad, actually shared the uh, match info afterwards, which is really nice, really uncommon for a lot of tournament organizers. And so Sean Sullivan actually put together the win rates for the Parfait decks. And um, there was, uh, not, I don't have the, I thought I wrote it down. Oh, here we go. There's 15 Parfait players and do either of you know what the win rate for Parfait was at North American pre-modern? Champs? I'm gonna guess
1: it's gonna
2: fifty-three,
1: maybe. I'm I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna say if if we're playing Prices Right rules, I'm gonna say forty-eight.
0: It was forty-six percent. Oh wow! Okay, so I overestimated.
2: <laughs> I figured since at least one person got the top eight, that would have skewed. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so so yeah, I mean, in general, like fifteen players going forty-six percent win rate is not something that most other formats would be like wow this is like a huge problem right
2: yeah sorry I was about to jump in but you might not be done yeah yeah no no go ahead because what I was going to say was that like we talked about Mark Eric being a very good player Uh, Sam Black also uh, who was obviously like you know years and years of pro level experience and he was playing it and he was saying how good it was and how you know it was but and so I think a lot of people were saying well if everyone if all the best players are playing this deck, that probably means it's the best deck. And I think that's a little bit, but it probably, it's a very strong deck. It also rewards strong play. So the thing about, I've played Tax Rack, I I actually don't play as much pre as I played middle school, just because I have my association with the uh, Romancing the Stones group in Texas, and they run middle school format. Um, But you know, they're very similar formats, and Parfait is played in both of them. And, uh, like, I've played it and I've been like, yeah, like, sometimes you're, you know, you're, you have a handful of basic lands and someone destroys your scroll. I I just felt like there wasn't enough, like, focus on the matchup from other decks. It was just sort of like, oh, this is, it is true that once people untap with it a couple times, you're, you can get far behind pretty quickly. But uh, that, I don't feel like enough people were up, like, trying to stop that from happening. They were just sort of taking for granted that it was definitely going to happen um and like i think that you know b- very good players take playing a very good deck in a in a in tournaments where people aren't really thinking about it i thought was contributing to its sort of dominance its perceived dominance because of you like are like oh man i don't know what to do here and i haven't thought about this i don't want i don't understand why and two, like, yeah, it feels terrible when someone the other the other person's drawing six yeah. cards a turn, and like, but it's also it is it is a slog to watch, and that's another thing. Like, we had a middle school tournament where we had a parfait player. I think the match we were doing on on, on stream, and I think the match took like an hour and ten minutes
0: with that's all short. the shuffling and putting that's back. Short. I know,
2: I know, and like, and so like, I when I was playing it, I was always very like, okay, I'm like cognizant of that, so maybe I wasn't even making the best decisions when I was using it, you know. Um, yeah. and I, but like, I would just say like, okay, like, well, what did people, I didn't, I didn't hear like a lot of, I heard a lot of people talking about, oh, it's very good. Very good. It's like, what are you trying? Like, what are you doing against it? Cause like, I never, I never saw a lot of those strategic discussions. I'm not always in every group, but I am in the pre-modern Facebook groups are yeah. pretty, are pretty popular. I never heard like, oh yeah. So like one thing you could try is like to target this or you go play like, play against it like this. And, uh, I just didn't feel like there was enough, um, adoption to it as a dominant deck and that like if you're a pro and you see that you're gonna gravitate towards it and you're a pro, so you are really good. So Yeah. To see the other players kind of, you know, fall behind that fifty percent mark I think sort of plays that out. It is not super easy and it's not an autopilot win like I thought like I think some people expected it to be.
0: Yeah. I mean honestly you, you bring up like a lot of points that I think really show why the ban was was very complicated. I mean one is the time issue. Like, I think I think there's a lot of reasons to ban a card, and the time issue is hard to argue, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm sure a lot of legacy players, and <laughs> I'm sure Phil Blackman will will have uh, bad memories of this, but it's it's obviously like the Sensei's Divining Top issue, right? And that like a lot of inexperienced players who pick this up for the first time, you do spend a lot of time shuffling, a lot of time searching. There's a lot of decisions because you're, you're scroll racking and enlightened tutoring each turn. And that does take a lot of time if you're not experienced with the deck. Like, you know, people like, um, you know, Mark or, or people like Rich Shea and, and even Lanny were, were very fast with the deck. And, you know, when the band discussions were happening, they would often mention how, how few draws they actually had. Um, and so it's, you know, it is one issue, but then at the same point, Sean Sullivan, who I, who I mentioned earlier, who did like a quick data analysis on LobsterCon, also showed that, if a game went to time, it was more likely than not because of Parfait. So like, you know, it, it did show that there was a huge spectrum of players and, you know, Lanny, who's, like I said, a very good player. He had a very infamous top eight match at LobsterCon against Goblins that lasted over two hours. Like, that's like kind of insane if you're a ter- tournament organizer. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I know. And it, it is it is tough. Like Phil and I were, at the time, very much against the sensei dividing top ban in Legacy, like mostly because like rounds go to time all the time, and I've played a lot of i played a lot of Legacy with like decks where I was like this There's no way I'm ever going to time with this deck and would have and would be in time like two three times in a in a tournament, so I don't like to like really focus on it as a you know reason to ban a card. I think that we had to talk about power level and you know I just I, it is undoubtedly very powerful uh, as an engine but I still felt that like there was so many, there's so many inflection points to mess it up. Um, and I just didn't see a lot of adopting to that. I didn't see people, yeah. people would say like, oh, such and such a deck is good against it. And then you'd never see that deck. But I think the rock was like <laughs> a big one for that. It's like the rock is good. because goes, yeah, because pernicious D just wipes out everything they're trying to do. And there, and you know, you get that going. Like I didn't see a lot of like innovation to try and find a, a way to, to defeat it. Um,
0: yeah. Uh, and the other thing, I, I,
2: there was only one other thing that I wanted to mention about it too, is that I think that some of it had to do with Mox Diamond. I think yeah. that Mox Diamond, it's the second most expensive card in pre modern. The most expensive is Gaia's Cradle. And it's, it, it, it does suck when your opponent goes like $600 card, land tax, and then. You know, like land tax is not you know cheap, but it's not you know, but it's still like it's like an attainable card. You're like, it's looking at your deck, which you maybe spent half that on, like because it's pre modern. <laughs> like you get like a madness deck or something and get out of there for three hundred bucks. Um, and you're like, well, this sucks. Like they just like I, I do feel there was a little bit of like, um, the real the real like bummer from a play experience was just seeing all the Mox diamonds. Um, and I wonder how much of that was just sort of uh, you know, yeah. sublimated to tax, so.
0: Well, Bill, I have I,
1: two, two quick questions yeah. before you answer that. I just want to, uh, if you want to tack these on as well, um, I just wanted to know what your, like, did you personally agree with the land tax ban or not? Because of how much experience you have in like building the community of the format. And then um, uh, your thoughts on, uh, has if the pre-modern community, because it's a uh, player run, uh, format if they've ever considered adopting rules that are different from, uh, how Watsi does their sanctioned tournaments. Uh, and the example that's coming to mind is, uh, something that we've talked about on the cast before is when rounds go to time, just the abolishing of five extra turns makes it so that tournaments continue to run over faster and that draws do exist. And so that if, if it's, if something, if a round goes to time, there's no additional turns, it's just a draw rather than letting five untimed turns play out where then usually you might get into the scenario where neither player can win, but they're trying to build a case for their opponent to concede and then they waste 30 minutes and then ultimately just come (laughs) to a draw anyway. Um, But like, so if you wanna answer a three-parter.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I think as far as my personal opinion on the land tax ban, uh, I guess it's complicated. I I ran like a very short Twitter poll um, and I got, about 240 votes and basically 50% of respondents were happy with the ban and 18 were sad and 24% were mixed and 8% were other. I kind of consider myself in the mixed camp. I think that Land Tax, if you were like, if you wanted to only win like pre-modern and you were equally skilled at every deck, Land Tax like Parfait probably was the best deck. Like. it's just a very strong deck, and there's no arguing that. But that's not to say that, like, it, that's not something that pre modern couldn't have handled. Um, I think I'm kind of in the camp of that's unclear. Like, kind of Nate said, I think the community did try to address it, but I think that there was still time to address it. And it kind of depends on, like, how you wanted to skew your deck. Like, for instance, I'll, I'll give an example. Like, I think Nullrod is a very good card against Parfait. Right, mm-hmm. it shuts down their mox diamonds and scroll racks, and I don't think I saw like anyone really playing null rod. Like you might see like one, maybe two, sometimes, but it wasn't like a a very common card. And maybe it's because you know people are like it's too narrow of a card, it's not worth it, and that might be the case. But you know, I think that there was a lot of tools to do it. But I was getting worried when things started going into the more blue tax rack. Um, side i think that is actually a lot harder to beat than the classic with parfait decks mostly because um <laughs> whatever answer you had would just be like countered anyway so it was, it was very difficult like I'll, I'll give a quick example like at lobster con i played this um raging glaciers like brew of mine basically i went i think i went like four two and one or something like that um and i did lose to a, a blue tax rack deck and my deck plays like a lot of answers to Tax Rack. Like it plays four Niv four Powder Keg. It plays like tons of Shatter Effects, five Red Blasts in the sideboard. And I like could not get fit through like a single answer. Like it's just, it's really hard um, when they're kind of have like unlimited counter spells. Um, so I guess my perspective, I think I'm okay with the ban. I'm never happy about bans, unless it was the Arkham's Astrolabe ban in Legacy. Like, that one I was legitimately happy about, um, just because I'm a huge fan of Basic Lands. But, you know, there's there's always going to be people who are sad about bannings. Like, there's some of the um, top pre-mod pre-modern players played Parfait, and they're understandably not very happy about this. And I think that's kind of a bummer, right? But at the same point, there's a lot of players, too, who are like, I'm so glad the tax rack is banned now. I can finally start playing. Like a lot of ple- people would not play the uh, webcam monthlies because those are untimed rounds. And they're yeah. like, I got a job. I got a family. I can't like run into tax rack and play like three hours. You know, that's just like not possible.
2: I do think that so, because so much of this format is played via webcam, that is a I'm, I'm uh, that's one of those things where you have a time problem is a problem like just because of that. Like I said, we talked about I got. I just remember that. I think um, uh, we've had the player playing uh, tax rack on stream twice, and yeah, they were such late nights because <laughs> it was like a thir- it was like a Thursday night. We're starting the stream at eight, and like yeah. it would be like eleven, and we'd be wrapping up. Um, so like, yeah, I do think that sucks.
1: I do. The only thing. You know, I I want When it comes to sadness, in, as a as a control player, I just I do want to point out that. Any player can concede anytime. like there is, there is agency. We have, we have yes. control of our lives. <laughs> yeah. That's why I was, yeah, the tax rack also was a bunch
2: of different decks. You said the blue ones were harder to beat, but they were fairly new. I had not seen for a long, like I, I didn't play that. I played a uh, pink prison. You had the false cure tax rack deck too. And I, and I, well, the thing is like, yeah, we're losing that, you know, we're losing that engine in a yeah. lot of ways. Which like means that we're going to that this that there's going to be like a lot of little ideas that could lean on it. Yeah. This is this is the argument for keeping Brains from legal and legacy, and you know. But the diff, you know, the other difference is that like I do feel that land tax scroll rack had a, that's a little bit more people. I, I people be like, oh, they always have mox diamond land tax. Like, yeah. they always have mox diamond land tax scroll rack. Is like their opening hand is mox diamond land land tax scroll rack and another land like what's the other cards like you can't do anything between that like you can't find some way to interact this thing doesn't affect the board doesn't affect your life total like you gotta you gotta play a duress i don't know what else to say like i'm like yeah sometimes they're gonna get their three basics but three basics don't kill you so just keep them you know did you did you try and duress scroll rack did you try and like play um you know some sort of artifact destruction on the mox diamond like i i don't i don't like, i felt like people were just this is, it's classic who's the beat down stuff that we've, we've talked about bannings and legacy have often said like you know like are you trying to beat this like yeah or are you just well, saying it's so good that it has to be beat now i do want to i just want to i do want to shift away from a little bit from like the uh discussion about whether or not it was good um well let, talk, let me let me yeah
0: let me let me quickly finish um some of the questions that you and phil had asked so like. One, like, um, you know, one of the questions that Phil had asked about, like, whether Premodern as a community kind of run format would, like, shift away from, like, WOTC uh, structure and stuff like that. I I don't know if that's been, like, a strong consideration, honestly. I think one of the appeals of Premodern is that, like, established Magic players can jump in pretty easily. Like, you know, I know that, you know, for middle school format, you all have, um, you know, mana burn damage on the stack and the old wish rules which which are really fun like honestly like i I would prefer some of those rules but it's also not approachable to like newer players a lot of times and it's also not on mtgo um and so that's like an issue that some people have considered though i do kind of like the idea of not having the extra five bonus rounds um so maybe we'll we'll think about that in the future for our own new york events um but that's that's one thing and then Two, uh, just quickly wrapping up something that Nate had talked about of just like this this feel bad of, you know, my opponent has these Mox Diamonds and I'm running UG Madness or whatever. I think that's like one aspect, but in general, like, I think it's like hard to quantify how how fun a uh, tax rack is. Like, there's always this old joke, right? Is that like, you know, fun is zero-sum game. It's all, you know, subjective, like people love playing Stasis. There's nothing wrong with playing Stasis stuff like that, but at a certain point, like the games for Tax Track did go very long. Like they don't have yeah. a very fast win condition, and you know that can be fun for some people. A lot of Parfait players love playing the Mirror because it's like a really grindy um, matchup. Um, but then also a lot of players did not like playing a two-hour round, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's that's a consideration too. Yeah, my the build
2: that I always played had devastating dreams and Mog Maniac. Oh, yeah. so this got to be the end of the game. Oh, that's Mog so Maniac. I really there yeah, go. yeah, yeah. there you go. Oh, and,
0: yeah. And I did I, I did want to mention one other thing, is that I think one of the reasons why people didn't like tax rack and Land Tax specifically is, is something that a lot of legacy players can relate to, which is that it created these awkward sub games, right? And that's like one of the biggest complaints about Monarch, right? Is mm-hmm. that people are like, Oh, it's you get the Monarch token, it's card advantage over a long period of time. Why don't you just remove the creature? Why don't you play your own creature and get Monarch too? It's like you know, it's that easy, right? And so like the yeah,
2: the Monarch goes into a zone that doesn't exist interactively, though. That's a little different, I think, because one of the things I want to attacking right. Yes, well, I think one of the reasons that like one of the things that um you know. I was, I was saying when you're talking about banning, is like, games take, take too long and don't, and like, people say, I can't play my lands, games take too long. I'm like, okay, standstill is going to be sucked into this vacuum. You think it's going to be, you're going to have fun playing against standstill where you can't play your spells and yeah. you're, and you're sitting there for an hour waiting for them to kill you with a mistress factory? Um, I mean, the difference, oh, and...
0: the difference is, is that landstill and stasis, when you're in the lock, they're just like, draw, go, draw, go. Whereas yeah. Lantex is like, okay, I'm gonna search for three lands. I'm gonna shuffle it back in. I'm gonna put eight cards back. I'm gonna draw eight new cards, and that's like fucking five minutes. So oh, I, I concede yeah. so
2: fast to stand still. i like, forget it. I'm not gonna bother yeah. with this. I, there's nothing I'm gonna do here. So I I'm a I guess maybe that's my thing is I'm also like happy to concede a lot of times. And just like oh, okay, I, that's that, this is my problem. Well, give me a pyroblast in here, you know. The other thing was just like, oh, the the quick the interactability. And like you know, the fact that it's like once they untap with it, you're basically dead. Like also true of survival. Also true of both the druids. Yeah. And these are going to be sucked into that vacuum too. Like these, it's not like because Phil uh, Phil B had a question like what decks would be like. I don't think there was any deck that was like you can't play this deck because Parfait exists. I never really felt that yeah. ever. Well, like,
0: I, I will I will say um, one other thing that I was going to mention. Um, oh. Yeah. Okay, so the one thing about pre-modern also is that it has a very wide meta, right? Like, I play a decent amount of pre-modern. Mm-hmm. I've played Parfait, like, a handful of times. It's not like, you know, a couple of years ago when you're playing Legacy, and if you don't play Delver at an FNM, you're, like, shocked, right? You're like, what is going on, mm-hmm. right? At least once. So I think that's the thing is that a lot of people, I think, as a community, there are obviously a lot of players who play a lot. But there's also players who play a couple times a week, a couple times a month, and playing par playing against parfait. I think you need to know, like like you said, like when to concede to like save time. Um, you need to know like when you should be playing a land into land tax and when you should be waiting. And if you don't get enough reps in, then it can be a very unpleasant play experience, right? And so it's it's possible that like you know, given time, people would have adapted and come up with new strategies, but. You know, we'll never know.
2: <laughs> it is a it is a format with a huge meta. That's that's why and and like losing one of these one of these engines that made the meta huge by enabling some blue decks, some red decks, some black decks in addition, you know, that had this engine in it. Like I feel like that's going to that it's going to slice it with the way. The last what was the last thing that was banned before? It was it
0: Grim Monolith? Uh the last thing let's see I'm trying to think no orders. no is Yagamas Bargain Yagamas yeah. Bargain hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels so whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City go Kevin or Becky's
1: bachelorette bash in Bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today your savings are waiting
2: to your happy place for a
1: happy price. Go to your happy price, priceline.
2: Yeah, which was only one thing. Like, you know, there's only really one way to build the bargain deck. I mean, Yeah, if you're uh, not playing Rector with a, you're, yeah, it, you're Rector, yeah. 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 yeah, you Rector into it. And I have you know, like I've been trying, I've got my Ziran Orbs and my nefarious liches, but yeah. still can't still can't get it to be consistent. I can't even beat the goldfish <laughs> a lot of the time. Anyway, um, but yeah, so, I mean, I, that's the thing, I, it is, it is kind of like, well, you know, one of the reasons that the, this format, like, was, was kind of up this engine was flexible and went into a bunch of different kinds of decks, there was Tax Rack Aggro, there was Tax Rack Controller, or Tax Rack Oath, um, and you know, we're going to lose all those, and they're going to be replaced by, you know, existing versions of those decks, which, you know, we'll see how that goes. Eternal Dirtles is proud to be sponsored by Moxfield. Moxfield is the best Magic: The Gathering deck building website on the internet. You can create, share, and find decks from Commander to Legacy and even fan supported formats like Pre Modern and Old School. You can see all of our decks on our Moxfield. Follow the links below to
1: stay tuned. So, I, I was going to ask on, on on that axis. I was going to say, hypothetically speaking, there's a player getting into Pre Modern who's very excited to, to play Parfait. I don't know who that would be. But hypothetically that person exists. Now that Lantax is banned, uh, what direction should those players uh look towards in terms of having a, an experience for a viable control deck that does that sort of the, the similar play pattern of sculpting and being able to have a lot of decisions to answers to a variety of decks and you know feel as though you're able to piece together any type of uh that you'd want to attack a given metagame or that you expect to run into. Where would you push those players?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think in general, there's, I mean, blue white control, still very good deck. Um, Mm -hmm. It actually was seeing a little bit of a resurgence during Parfait because it had a pretty good Parfait matchup. And so that's actually one of the decks that people think, um, while still very good, uh, may have lost some like equity with the banning. But there's, there's two options to build it, like kind of your classic land still. Mark Eric Vo was also one of the, the innovators behind the Parallax Tide combo that um, basically exiles. It's a one-sided Armageddon, basically. So that's like one option. I do think that in comparison to Parfait, it's a little bit like more straightforward, I guess, probably because it's traditionally blue-white. So there's not as much um, sculpting as opposed to like raw card advantage with Standstill and Factor Fiction. Um, but still very fun, very good deck. Actually, New York has a lot of uh, land still players, and so it's uh, it's something that you see quite often. Um, and actually, like, for a lot of the people who have Mox Diamonds already, I think Grotog is, is also a very fun deck. It's not, like, pure control, but because of its, like, usage of Mox Diamond and other Rainbow Lands, it still has, like, a Parfait feel in which you can basically jam, like, any color combination of cards, so you always have an answer. Um, so I think that's like a, a pretty good option too. And then lastly, there was before Parfait got really big, there was some work being done on like blue-green control, um, blue-white-green control. Um, so I think those, yeah. So those are those are also options as well that I think could be could be pretty interesting.
2: The one, yeah, because the one thing about. Uh, parfait being out is like you know the only color required was white which means it always had four swords to flower trainers so maybe you get you could squeeze some of those uh you know more creaturey style uh control decks like psychotog was but basically the one I was thinking of. Um people said that black wasn't very well positioned now unfortunately somehow but people love playing mono black and so I feel like I always <laughs> play against it. If I am playing mono uh middle school or pre-modern like I will play against mono black and in every in every yeah. league, um, yeah, I think yeah, I think you hit it. I, uh, I, um, I, I don't feel there was anything that was that, like I said. I'm just gonna reiterate. I don't feel like there was anything that was like really being held back because it absolutely could not be a land tax in a score rack. So it's not like there's something waiting to break out. I think it's a matter of seeing where things settle, um, and like then adapting it from there because it like it is uh, definitely that the, the format you know you have to be thinking broad because of all the things you said phil like it's just there's so many options like um for different kinds of decks and not every deck is playing the same kind of mana base or the same kind of you know um same kind of uh, consistency suite so uh parfait actually gave you a bit more of a target there because there'd be some percentage of people trying that um so i think that it'll be fun for a while i think what do you think the best deck is now
0: uh i i think that stifle knot and elves are probably um the two best decks right now um you know just rewinding a bit i think okay so i i would like kind of generally say that although martin and his band announcement said that one of the reasons the tax rack engine was too good was that it fit into too many places i like kind of disagree with that in general like in my opinion like tax rack was basically only like a prison control deck. Like, sure, you did see it in some other places, but they weren't like, I don't know if good is the right word, but they were not like the best option for tax rack. Like, you know, we are losing a lot of good decks um, that people played. Like, you know, Tarrageddon was a very popular deck that used uh, land tax as a very good deck. Um, And then there were random like aggro decks that used land tax. You know, White Weenie would use land tax from time to time um sometimes decks like merfolk or slivers would use it um matt harper had this uh great draco tax rack deck the draco explosion yeah. the tax rack that was pretty cool and so um and i know we have a lot of uh mardu fans on this on this pod so that was like one of the few yeah one of the few uh mardu decks in, in pre-modern so we are going to lose those but at the same point i i do think that it actually was very constraining from a deck building perspective. Um, and I'll give you like a preview of a deck that I've been thinking about for a while, which is um, Zerz Weirding, which is yeah. one of the wind conditions that um, Parfait would sometimes use. I think it's like a pet card of Rich Chase. Um, um, so, Zur's Weirding, if you're not familiar, it's like I think it's like a four man enchantment. And like every time you draw, exactly either you, you or your opponent draws a card, you reveal the card instead. And like, anyone can pay two cards or two life to put in the graveyard instead. I think it's something like that.
1: Yeah, it um, is, Each player effectively controls the other's draw step that leverages the player with yeah. more life. Yes. Yeah. So, and so, so when you have Ivory Tower, you're just like, all right, I I'm I will control your draw step for the rest of the game and nothing will matter.
0: Yes. And, and it was perfect and parfait because also land tax and scroll rack were not drawing. So you were just still like generating card advantage while locking out your opponent um, anyway. I wanted I wanted to build that that there uh, is Weirding that with words of wisdom or, sorry words of worship which is like an onslaught three man enchantment mm-hmm. and it's like if you would draw a card you can pay one colorless and gain five life instead so that was my plan is I was gonna lock out my opponent by just replacing my draws with gaining five life and just using that five life to just bin everything in my opponents right and to so be honest like, that sounds
1: was... that sounds really hot. It does, right? I'm just right. Say, that
0: hot. Yeah. I know. So, so that's what I want to build, and I have a lot of great ideas for it. Like I was like, okay, I'm gonna put in like Roar of the Worm and Call of the Herd so that even if it gets bent, I can just cast it anyway, right? There's a lot of cool stuff to do with that. Um, or I was like, I'm gonna oath of Druids into Exalted Angel, and just start gaining life and locking you out. Okay, so that's like a sweet idea. But if you're in blue white, I'm just like, okay, well. I should probably just put in the tax rack engine, right? Because it, it just makes a lot of sense, right? And so I felt like brewing in the white space really, the tax rack combo really stifled innovation because you're like, okay, I have to add this in, and once I add this in, I'm literally just the worst parfait deck, right? And so I think that with with parfait gone, or sorry, tax rack gone, people are like, kind of thinking about new draw engines. Like people are talking about Sylvan Library and abundance. Which basically, like you know, you can replace your three draws with uh, the abundance effect. So you're, you're basically ancestraling each turn. It's it's obviously a lot more expensive, right? It's two mana and a four mana enchantment. But um, you know, people are talking about that, which I think is cool. Um, and then just to to wrap up, like kind of like what are the best decks? You know, I talked about Stifle Knot. Oh yeah, that was that was the other thing. So you know, the Lobstercon results. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Parfait had like really low uh win rates across 15 players um not had 17 players with a match win percentage of 62 percent okay That's I, a... I really
2: i also <laughs> have to say phil like you know the thing that got dead to me about that is okay you, you were upset people were upset about people playing a one mana enchantment and a two mana artifact like what are you gonna do against a stifle and a dreadnought it's one mana cheaper and it kills you <laughs> like yes. like that's the thing like if you cannot interact on the first couple of turns like you have to think about this format that way and yeah I I, I think that we're going to see a lot of stifled dreadnoughts which means that we're going to see a lot of fun other cards like crumble or something like that like just yes. like yeah, we're going to see some uh, some, some fun stuff uh, to combat it um, but yeah that's the thing I was like I mean it's not I, I, I didn't I was like man I wish my opponent was spending their first two turns just putting <laughs> putting things on the board and not playing lands, like, I could probably I could probably figure out a way around that. There, someone's gonna, because at some point, they're gonna go uh, land, Lotus Petal, Phyrexian Dreadnought, uh, and uh, Stifle, and you're gonna be facing a turn 1-12-12, and then you get your turn, and then you're like, well, do I have a one mana way to beat this? It's probably, probably not. There's only, there's very and they, few. Of them. And so of has, yeah, and the opponent has days,
0: because they always have days. Opponent, they always have days, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, they always have days, um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, like Knot, Elves, and and Burn are probably going to be the top three that people are going to watch out for. Uh, um, I note that elves,
2: elves, was oh, about a year ago. There was a lot of talk about banning Gaia's oh, Cradle yeah. because of Elves. That's what yeah. that's what kind of led me on that mox diamond thing. Is like, well, it does suck because Gaia's Cradle is like, you know, a nightmare to acquire. <laughs> At least yeah. there's a gold border version of it.
0: Yeah, um, I, I'm still amazed that there's no gold border mox diamond. That would have been so sweet. Um, yeah, just just quickly wrapping up. Burn, Burn was one of those decks that a lot of people felt was somewhat unplayable because of Parfait, because basically they just gain a ton of life. They can, they have a, you know a lot of basics. Um, they can tutor for uh, circle protection, warmth, whatever. Like people, people did feel like Burn was in a pretty bad place. Um, so that was like one deck, and like you mentioned, like black based decks like Pit Rack. Um, like nothing feels worse than like a bottomless pit versus like a land tax. You're just like, this is real bad. Well, you've got to,
2: you got to play around with it. You got to dress it. You got to put a D I in agree. your deck. You got to find some way to, you got to, it's, it's out there. I, I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> dystopia is, is probably the only answer to, to answer a land, or I guess a nib disc. Um, well, another thing actually it. you,
2: you mentioned when you were talking about decks, you're building like there's a lot of enchantments that are really powerful in this format and we are at this point in history there has not been a lot of enchantment removal um you know i had you know i had so and that was one of those things where it was like well i was playing you know i'm playing parfait and i'm like i gotta have a burning wish target that destroys all enchantments because what if i can't beat a you know parallax wave or a survival the fittest and i was like that's, it's going to kill my land tax, but like, it's important to be able to beat these cards. And, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see, cause like, you know, a lot, some of the argument was like, well, land tax is hard to remove. Um,
0: but it's hard uh, to remove, it was hard to remove profitably. Like, yeah. like any deck could have removed it eventually, but the concern was, is by then they had drawn like six new cards and just played like another land tax. Yeah, And, and that was, no, that, was, that just- was kind of my thing too, with, with the blue tax decks is that like, um, they just, always had an answer to your answer first because yeah. they got the card advantage um so that was i think kind of the hard part
2: well we've talked a bunch about this uh banning and i've had I, I a lot of fun discussing pre-modern there's so many interesting things you're like it's always a lot of play remember this card too um yeah. I, I did want to just mention one thing to both of you and i wish that was here i unfortunately couldn't make it but um you know i was so we gonna play this middle school tournament i'm in the middle of one now i'm actually one and two with my uh of bombardment gamekeeper deck i yes. won the first round handily i was like this deck is so great i'm <laughs> i'm such a genius i can't believe i invented this idea and then in round two my opponent played an armageddon and i was like well that sucks i can't do that <laughs> and then in round three i flooded out horribly like ironically enough i had like i had enough to hard cast my symbiotic worm and i died um but uh anyway but i'm having fun playing it i think that's a fun deck but another enchantment by the way that you know if yeah. you Goblin barb hits a table you probably lose um and not talk about my deck and jump was saying, like if you ever see one of those in play you got to do something about it um but anyway so we're in the discord after the tournament and uh this guy uh, casey from uh nashville old school tournament saying we're running uh um old like i guess we call it classic or i forget what they call it alpha to scourge like it's a replication of the vintage format in 2003 mm-hmm. and i said you know what that does sound like a little bit of fun i could i could get down with some of that i could use some of my ce cards i haven't used them while i've played old school in a bit um so yeah man and he's like okay great yeah just you know you he just offhandedly said go to the uh, source and look in the classic forum like the 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 archives you can find some deck ideas like great so i go and it's the, the 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 not the source um i'm sorry ma- management Managrin, yeah. yeah and you know it actually does they have like an archive form that ends in about december of 2003 so it's like right around the same time huh. it's after Mirrodin comes out but it got me to thinking about something in uh, magic up to 2002 right and then in 2002 onslaught is released okay that's your fetch land that's mm-hmm. interesting end of that block scourge introduction of storm then the frame change and Mirrodin, and Mirrodin brings in Chalice of the Void, and then Affinity, and then in Darksteel, uh, Trinisphere comes out. And I was just thinking, like, we talk a lot about how the rapid changes in magic these days with, with fire design, and all these things, and Lord of the Rings, all this stuff, but I was like, man, that is kind of, I, I wasn't <laughs> playing then, but it must have felt insane like you know you suddenly have especially if you've been playing you know type one like up to the up to the end of the odyssey block everything's sort of the same like you had the urza block thing but that was just like that was sort of like understandable brokenness if that makes sense you know um like there's nothing about the urza block brokenness that wasn't like understandable in the context of alpha up to uh tempest but like you know, the Fetchlands completely changed how you build databases for the rest of for the rest of Magic's existence. And then Storm is like, you know, obviously this format. This is now like the engine combo kill. This is it. There's nothing else. There's no more. You know, and nothing is better than this. More compact. And then, but when Mirrodin comes out, not only like you get the new frame, which is jarring, but like Chalice and Trinisphere, those are defining cards. That that's about 20 years ago. This this year, you know. I'm just okay. wondering what you guys thought about, you know, thought
1: about that. I don't know, Bill, Were you playing during that time? I wasn't yet, mm-hmm. but the, you, the way that you explained how those cards came in—that is the—I I always think of the history of Magic and my experience with it in terms of like there were set checkpoints that like sort yep. of changed the game forever, and of course, like fetch lands being introduced, inarguably changes the game forever. And the other like similar spots in Magic's history are like, at least for legacy purposes, uh, like uh, Innistrad was very clearly that for me. You know, that was like the moment where we were we saw Grizzlebrand introduced, Miracles introduced, Thalia introduced. You know, uh, we we got Faithless like Faithless Looting. Faithless Looting was introduced. Like there, there were a lot of things that like sort of that overhauled what the format really looked like. Don't receive a lot of wheelers. <laughs> well, I got that one. And, then, and, and then, that like, updating it again, I think of it similarly with War of the Spark. Yep. And then War of the Spark sort of, like, changed the entire era, where now we are effectively a rotating format as opposed to uh, a format that, you know, just acquires a couple of cards here and there. People will, you know, pick up certain strategies and try and incorporate it. It's like, no, like, there's going to be playables and, like, like significantly uh, impactful cards in every set uh to keep up with them so i i think of it like that way so it's, it's cool to do a little trip down memory lane like that to be like yeah the scourge was one of the original like checkpoints in magic yeah yeah yeah
2: oh i was just gonna say sorry Phil. i was just saying like which is interesting because like you're talking phil phil hen talking about um new players and stuff right and one of the interesting things like phil have you played a lot of old school
0: uh me i i played a some amounts um there's the sisters of the flame here in new york and um they're really great guys i've played with a few times and it's it's definitely very fun um i have a few decks yeah but i guess what i was just saying is like old school it is it's fun i enjoy it i'm old (laughs)
2: like but like it is like unrecognizable but pre-modern and middle school like they're sort of like recognizable as magic as you understand it today with how mana bases are built and the kinds of cards that you're looking for um the one thing i've noticed that came much later after our 2003 era was like just being able to cast stuff for free like not Mm -hmm. specific cards like you get to cast a random card for free with all these effects that's a thing that doesn't exist in middle school and also uh, things that like create value off you just doing regular stuff like um, that's not as much around middle school, but it's still like, there's still some of it with threshold and things like that. And there's even things like flashback, which sort of replicate that, uh, you know, cast randomly. But but anyway, just I was just saying like, it's recognizable as a game of magic today. Um, but I was just thinking like, it's recognizable because of that one year at the end of it. Like if we decided that if pre-modern, if they had changed the, the card frame with Onslaught, pre-modern would be a very interesting, a really interesting format because they would have, you know, these would all be pushed forward even more but um but yeah i just think uh i just i was just i was kind of chuckling and thinking about like man i i if there had been podcasts back then we'd be like what are they doing they put these <laughs> things in and they put this back, and now they're changing the frame and now and now this this car just counters everything and these like these cost reducers like yeah i mean it was a lot but we just you know you come in yeah you know, i had, i had stopped playing before that and came in afterwards and so i just sort of metastasized all of it as, as new stuff but uh phil one phil B one thing that you missed was
1: Lorwyn because i think planeswalker is being introduced oh yeah so, yeah of course, of other course. Huge one. yeah that that's w- w- arguably one of the biggest shifts ever right and it's like understanding how to push planeswalkers is like different enchantments you your uh take on like how crazy this stuff is anytime there's a, a discussion about like you know imagine if if you can recall when this happened how crazy everybody would be if it something like that happened now it always makes me think of uh p sully's discussion about when tnn came out and he's like everybody's up in the air about tnn and then he's like looking at wasteland and it's like if this was reversed if tnn had been around like all that time and wasteland came out everybody would be losing their shit about wasteland and it's like you know so there's a modern bias of like hating the new thing as opposed to the thing that you're just like accustomed to
2: well one of the other things that happened in 2003 actually with i believe the mirrored release was you know storm had just existed and uh i forget what the deck was called i think they just called it burning long this was the vintage storm deck the first vintage storm deck and it got whacked immediately (laughs) by bannings like they banned or restrictions they restricted burning wish um i should look it up i I know burning burning wish being the big one that was restricted and at the time they were talking about the upcoming banner restricted update uh, on Mana Drain talking about this it was like will they unrestrict Berserk and people were saying oh you can you can't unrestrict Berserk you'll have like you know you'll have like Berserk Berserk or uh, it kills people kills you with a with I forget what the card the three power card was but it's like it's funny to think about that like yeah I mean Berserk is a very powerful card that has a very strong niche but the idea that like it was un, un- unrestrictable you could never imagine what if someone had two of them <laughs> it's just kind of funny in the in the in the folk idea of what will come later, and of course, I'm sure that uh, after that, I think Trinisphere gets. I think Trinisphere got uh, restricted um, when Fifth Dawn came out. Like it was so destructive to vintage with, with Workshop. Uh, it took another 15 years or 12 years for Child I, I don't know. It is a very interesting year um, thinking about. It. Like we, didn't, it didn't have Storm. Was just like, oh, like it's a combo deck with one name. It's not a Storm deck, you know, um, which we would recognize now. But anyway. I had a lot of fun reading that. If you get a chance, you get to you can go read those forums pretty easily. Um, there was someone there was someone brewing a zoo deck in the post uh, post restriction world. Maybe I'll play in that in that uh, old frame tournament. Because <laughs> it nice. was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I I have played old frame um, before, which is I think what you were talking about. Yeah. Um, which is just like Alpha Discouraged, and I played. Uh, Where did I play? I played Distorting Lens, Reap.
2: Oh yeah, that. Oh, I've been trying <laughs> to build that in pre-modern, but I can never, I can never get uh, it to I, work.
0: I, I have some lists to send to you. I'm not going to say they work, but I have tried to. Well, we'll, um, I'll work, say as they work. we'll work on them. <laughs> yeah,
2: well, you got you got to see. I got the nefarious lich stuff too. I got to show you.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah like, um, I mean, and, and and there was also, um, you know, uh, I have been playing a little bit of um, this format called classic legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know like these like time capsule formats are, are sometimes controversial, but it's been fun. Um, basically, it's like legacy up until I think the last set was like Rise of the Eldrazi, so it's not quite pre Innistrad, it's like one set or one block fewer than it.
2: New Phyrexia would also not be in it, which, is a, which was a complicated set because of the Phyrexian mana.
0: Yeah, that was that was one of the reasons why they that particular group stopped it there. But it's it's kind of run out of Spain, and they've organized a few like uh, webcam leagues now. It's it's also been very fun. I'm building uh building lands there before, Thespian stage. So it's like mind slaver and like creeping tar pit. kills. Yeah,
2: I mean Thespian stage is one of my buggy cards too, where I think people don't underestimate how stupid it is. <laughs> like just like oh like I don't. My opponent did th- just put cards in the play, and now I'm dead. Like this sucks. Debatable. How are you able to? Uh, how are you doing with your with your two kids?
0: You know, oh, man, able... <laughs> it's it's busy. Like um, I'm only in one. Like I I skipped the premodern monthly last month, um, and this month I, I skipped it as well. But I'm in this like necro uh, premodern league, yeah. which is basically like what if Necropones was unbanned in pre-modern, which is maybe unlikely now that land tax was banned. Like, it would be kind of weird to be like, we're banning land tax, but we're going to unban Necro.
2: That's dark um, Rituals legal. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, but it's it's been fun. Um, I'm third in one in that um, with this false cure brew, which I, of course, I had to try to do. But, yeah, I just uh, want to call yeah. out
1: that uh, the, you guys are, of all the people that I know in all of the world, <laughs> you are the two falsest curious uh, players yeah. that i'm aware of you know
0: i haven't that, i haven't that, tried that it is... in uh, in middle school yet i'm gonna have to take a look i don't think middle school gives you anything that a mystical tutor right
2: uh no, so no tutor's it. not legal Oh, uh, um, never
0: mind
1: yeah i mean what's not because what's not to like that's
2: oh yeah i, know, I agree also <laughs> phil
1: spe- speaking of mystical tutor every other pre-modern podcast that i've listened to talking about the the land tax ban at some point mystical tutor comes up as a, a point of discussion for something to come off where where do you stand
0: i think i'm open to it i think the okay so the thing with pre-modern the pre-modern ban list is there's actually a few cards that people suspect would be okay mystical tutor is probably the number one along with entomb that people think would be okay to unban um some people think world court of dragon could be unban too um the two most controversial that people think maybe possible are Yogmoth's Will and Necropon's um those obviously have like a very uh what story history yeah some people are like very <laughs> very uh skeptical but maybe um but I think basically any one of those cards would probably be okay but if you unban one you would never be able to unban like the others um so like you kind of have to choose which one you want like you know we've talked about I, I would love Mystical Tutor to be unbanned because Predict is is literally my favorite card in magic. So um in a in a mystical tutor world, Predict is just like amazing. Um so we'll see.
2: I'm looking at the ban list right now and I mean Necro is interesting, like it's legal in middle school, but Dark Ritual isn't. Yeah. And you know, even then, like I still don't I beat it in the first round. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm like, oh, okay, like uh, you please take all this life, and then you know, <laughs> bolt, bolt,
0: <laughs> like yeah, that, that's I, the thing. I, I Like burn is so good. Yeah, burn it's is burn is
2: really good in all these parts. Well, slide, so... yeah, the slide decks are really good, yeah. um, and also a couple times where I've seen it in play, it's just kind of boring. Like like people will be like, okay, I got my necro into play, but like it tapped out for it. Um, and they they're drawing a lot of cards. Um and because they're paying life and they're not getting their draw phase, their turns take take a lot longer, <laughs> I've noticed. Mm, uh, uh. And like and then because they're facing like, oh, am I gonna get like burned out here? I I think Necro, especially since uh, Tendrils of Agony like here's some other things are in the ban list Tendrils of Agony, Vampire Tutor, Demonic Consultation, Grim Monolith, like Mystical Tutor, Time Spiral, Windfall, Dogmas Well, like, you know, Necro is a really great draw engine, do not get me wrong, I'm not saying it's a bad card, but like, if you take it away everything that makes it really scary, which is that it can kill in one turn, I don't really think there's much to fear and it might be like a fun little thing to have
0: yeah. for that's, other decks. That's but... the thing of like, why I was interested in this Necro League is that like, whenever we talk about unbanning Necro in Premodern, people are like, you cannot do that. It's an insane card engine. What happens if you get it turn one? And then I'm like, okay, well, what is the win condition? And people yeah. are like oh i don't know you you can do anything and i'm like okay but specifically what are could. you doing and and it's, it's i've had this discussion about legacy like,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh what do they turn one necro in legacy i'm like okay then what that you pay how much life and then your opponent does what like you know they could do yeah. a lot of things they could needle your necro first pretty needle on necro would be it's never i don't you know maybe it's happened in vintage but uh, that's got to be that's got to be like just the worst feeling just never drawing another card um, like you know i don't know i just i i've, I've thought that too it's like all the other real dangerous things that make it um dangerous are gone so
0: yeah but, um, but you know quickly wrapping up there that's not to say that i i think it's like a safe unban. like I, I think it could definitely be broken over time i'm just like not convinced that it's not worth looking into um but i will say <laughs> my false care deck is not good like it's it's fine um but yesterday i did have a, turn two on the play win with a first turn necro in which i had mold to four so that felt pretty good so yeah. it's not common
2: it's not common though right yeah no
0: actually actually false cure is probably the
2: best existing deck for it because you can actually sc- uh, sculpt a hand that's just necro or i'm sorry from the necro where it's like a false cure and then a bunch of the uh uh, uh what's that sky shroud cutters or something
0: yeah Before. you still have to pass <laughs> you still no have to pass the turn though because you can't cast them instant speed so that's that's a thing is like okay i do all that and my opponent's like cabal therapy false cure and i'm like okay let's go to the next game <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah right exactly well that's all i had to say about this spanning i i, I do think well, I mean, I, I think it's uh, you know it's nice to uh, get to talk about these formats. At some point, we should talk about the appeal of these formats. Like Phil, you mentioned like a couple other ones you've been trying. I have some thoughts on that as well. But I do know we all have to go to work, so thank you oh, yeah. for so, coming so on.
0: I, I do have a few last quick uh, yeah, sure. callouts. So if we do this uh, alternative formats, I need to need to pitch universes beyond ninety three ninety four. My my pet project of old school plus universes beyond cards. I think there's a huge Huge uh, population of people who are nostalgic for for Chun Li kicking a uh, ancestral recall.
1: Um, That'd be so very that's funny. one.
0: Yeah. Um, two other things. One, I gotta give a shout out to Raphael who who is the first person to to invent parfait. Um, he invented it for vintage. He came to pre modern, started building it, and he's like one of my favorite deck builders. Like you know, he he builds all sorts of stuff. I actually played him when he had a banding deck in pre modern, and he beat me with it, which is kind of fun. Um, oh, wow, the origin a... of
1: MTG banning. <laughs> yeah,
0: my my villain story. Um, but Yeah, he's he's definitely played a lot, built a lot of um, really cool parfait decks, and obviously this this banning is a big loss. But um, he's definitely a great player and, and builder. And then the last thing I wanted to call out is that um, New York is hosting a premodern tournament in September, um, September sixteenth. It's going to be a, a one point five k cash tournament, uh, and so it should be pretty good uh we're throwing it uh in manhattan and if anyone is interested you can visit mtgnyc.com and there'll be the d- uh, details there
1: also yeah, just uh, to, to note for that it is partially proxy right you can
0: use uh gold border cards gold and, border yeah yeah collector's edition international's edition or even the uh the anniversary cards um if you mm. have those i don't think i've seen one of those in person yet so if anyone wants to bring one Feel free
2: yeah i haven't either all i know is that they used it as an excuse to why that like Star it was like we can't buy your uh ce stuff because uh wow the, the, i was like look look how about that it's never gonna be 1994 again so that's the one thing that ce has over 30th anniversary like this is actually from 1994
0: it's never going to be Keep 2023 it. again so you know
2: yeah but it's been but it's gonna be 2020 it's gonna be 2023 forever at this rate yeah. <laughs> thank you
1: good. thank you all film. right thanks guys thanks guys cheers thanks hey thank you for watching don't forget to like and subscribe
2: check out this other video and if you can please support us on patreon.com